Okay, Sarah, I did a triathlon or whatever this weekend, but nobody cares. What they really want to hear about is your box. Or whatever, obviously. How was your box competition? Okay, I did. I got out of my box this weekend and and branched out into the world and did my first CrossFit competition. Um, And Kelly, I have to say, I felt like I maybe should have listened to you because you kept asking me about competing in a stadium. (laughs) And I was like... No, well, it, it's in a stadium, but like no one cares about me. No one's watching me, et cetera. Well, that proved not to be true. Everyone's watching <laughs> you. Not that they cared about me, but like everybody watched everything, especially the people from your own community. Right. But there were people in the stands constantly watching everything and cheering for people. Like it was a very supportive environment in a, in a good <laughs> way. But I did not expect to be like doing a lift, like on a platform with like people taking photos and like, you know what I mean? Like I just didn't picture it that See, way. I thought I'd just be off in my corner. I want to do one. Cause I want to like to be in the stadium and have all the people taking okay. photos of me, Sarah. So it was really fun. And to me, it felt a little bit like once in a lifetime because like never, like, well, unless I do another CrossFit competition, but in no other <laughs> way will I be on a stage doing something I'm that not good at like you know <laughs> typically you have to be the best in the world to be in that kind of situation but instead I'm just like doing my kipping pull-ups and my push-ups just like in front of the crowd <laughs> so it was fun but as predicted I was literally the, okay there were 35 people in my category it was a scaled category so that's the beginners which to be clear they're not total they're not real you beginners always say that. you're always like I'm not really a beginner they're still pretty I good know. They were still pretty good. Anyway, especially, well, anyway, so uh, there was 35 people in my category and I was like 28th and 29th in the lifting, right? So that that's, and that's about appropriate, I think. And then I was like fourth, sixth and seventh in the more cardio base, like the five right. to 10 minute workouts. So it all balanced out to like me being in the middle. I had fun. I was happy. Lots of people from my box did very well. So it was a good experience. Good. And so you're going to do it again? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Guys, you we'll heard see. it here I, first. She's going to do it again. <laughs> once, uh, once Live Feisty Media is making millions of dollars, then I'll be able to take weekends off like all the time and go to CrossFit competitions. It'll be great. You're like, what is it? Hashtag live the dream. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So coming up on the show, we have, oh my gosh, folks, this is so exciting. Kelly's mom is live in the studio and we're going to get her observations on the 70.3 in Santa Rosa. We might hear about Kelly's race too. Um, we're going to share our wild speculations about the state of the pro race. Our race is getting less safe. Ironman's EPO kind of flops. IPO. And- IPO. Oh, IPO. Did I say EPO? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Iron Man and EPO should not be in the same sentence. Iron Man's <laughs> IPO. <laughs> thank you for that correction. Flops and exercise makes you happy, but only to a point. Kelly, I finally got my shipment of noon up here in Canada, and I am so excited. The last couple of days I've been going to CrossFit with Noon Hydration Sport watermelon flavor, and I have been loving it so far. But I want to know from you, what product should I try next? Okay, so you're trying the tablet. So the Sport tablet is the one you drop in your water bottle. They also have an immunity tablet for you know when you're feeling sick that you can drop in your water bottle. And I've been trying the, or been using the Noon Rest which is for recovery and relaxation. It's like chamomile flavored. It has magnesium and potassium in it. I you like drink it before you go to bed. Helps you recover well. You sleep great. It's fantastic. 
Okay, awesome. I'm totally going to try that tonight. Okay, if anyone at home wants to try, go to noonlife.com and use the code IRONWOMEN and you get 30% off. So Iron Women is our sister podcast, noonlife, N-U-U-N, life.com. Give it a try. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc. Ass Kicker makes activewear for women featuring empowering phrases like, Work hard, play hard, kick ass, or strong women lift each other up. Ask Kicker Inc. also makes our fabulous Live Feisty tank tops, t-shirts, hoodies, and leggings. So to order yours, go to livefeisty.com and just choose shop from the menu. And of course, use the code RIDING to save 20%. That's RIDING, as in if we were, at livefeisty.com. And remember, I before E, except if you're feisty. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. So Kelly, even though we've already established that no one cares about triathlon, I understand that you did one this past weekend. I did. I did a triathlon this weekend. I did Santa Rosa. I I love how you like, I did a triathlon. It was like one of the bigger ones in the country, whatever. (laughs) I did Santa Rosa 70.3 this weekend, which was very competitive and very intense. And it is one of the bigger ones. There's like 3000 people or something. It's also my local one. So it's really fun because everybody... Lots of, uh, if we were riding fans cheered for me, Sarah, and yelled at me. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, but uh, also, my mom came and cheered for me. She had a whole plan on like where she was going to be cheering. And so, yeah, so she's here. So should we like get her take on Santa Rosa? Hi, Kelly's mom. Welcome to the hi. show. Hi. Hi, everybody. It was really cool to be at Santa Rosa. There were, gosh, three, four different people came up and said, oh, I recognize your voice. You're from the podcast. Oh, yeah. Jocelyn McCauley was really That's excited awesome. to meet <laughs> my mom. So hi, Jocelyn. It was really cool. I felt kind of important. There you go. I love Santa Rosa. It was really, it's a cute little town. Lots of coffee shops. Nice coffee shops. The race was interesting, though, because there were not a lot of places to watch from. And I'm kind of spoiled. I like races where they run in and out in spokes, and I get to cheer like eight different times. And some of Kelly's college friends, who I had met ages ago, were there with us. And we got up, and we had a plan, and we went out to the where they were coming in on the bike. But you couldn't see. There were just huge chunks of the race that you couldn't see. And that was really frustrating. They changed to a one-loop run course this year, so it was pretty empty out there. It was, like, kind of desolate, yeah. But, you know, they don't build the races for the spectators, apparently. And, you know, I care about that. The race itself, I was talking to a cop at one of the intersections, and the locals, they don't, like, they don't seem to know that it's a big deal. I mean, they go in this, like, oh, there's this race and the big one. They called it the big one. The little one and the What's big that, one. Kona? They go on at the Santa big one. Rosa. Oh, the big one's the long one. The Iron Man, yeah. the full Iron Man race. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but they were just they they seem to think it's just a like thing. And they don't understand like it's part of a larger scheme. 
Because this policeman was like, oh, the locals hate it, and they don't understand there's money to be made. But he wanted to ask me about money, like, because I said my daughter's going to be in the pro field. She'll be going by in this first batch of people. And he's like, oh, does she make money doing this? And I was like, (laughs) He says, well, do the first few people make money? And I'm like, well, little. Not enough. Yeah. Ooh, and I saw Rennie and Tim when I was walking around, and I actually knew who they were. I felt important. But I was like, even the people in the... Because f- right then when I was talking to him, the front three guys went by, and he said, oh, do they make money? And I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah kind of, maybe. Yeah. Not just from racing, though. And he was like, what, what other races are there? And I was just like, oh, big conversation. Yeah. Lots. <laughs> Yeah, he wanted to know how much, and here's, do you have a guess on this? How much does Iron Man make off that race, like off of Santa Rosa? Oh, I know. Gosh. That was my reaction too. I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't have a guess on that, but I do think that they set their standards, like their profit margins fairly high. Like I think they stick to it, right? Yeah, for sure. And Whatever I think Santa Rosa is, is definitely at. a profitable one given their contract with the city. Yeah, so. with 3,000 people. Okay, I have a question. I know I'm like, I'm jumping ahead and we're going to come back to this topic, oh, yeah. but and sorry, I know your name's Debbie, but we need to call you Kelly's mom. Cause I got in trouble one time and nobody well, knew yeah, what I was talking about. You know. <laughs> so Kelly's mom, did, did you feel like the, the course was safe? Like, did it seem safe to you? Well, it, yeah, because standing at the bike place, they had done this thing where there was a lane going in each direction with the middle lane for the bikers. And so there were cars between me on the sidelines and the people I was cheering for. And it just did not seem like a very big space for bikers. And I only watched the front of the field. And so most of the people I saw, there were maybe two within like drafting, you know, like appropriate distance behind each other. But I can't imagine how you would have age groupers coming through that skinny little space in the middle of two lanes of oncoming traffic. Because if you had like, I don't know, I'm terrified about the story about the woman who got hit by the truck. I mean, the tiniest little bump and you would have swerved right out of those cones into oncoming traffic Mm -hmm. on both sides. So it was just, yeah, I don't, none of this feels safe to me though. I'm a mom. I'm Kelly's mom. (laughs) I worry that someone's going to get kicked in the face in the swim and drown. Like, so the whole thing seems not very safe. Yeah, I just like we're, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but I just wondered from an observational point of view. I mean, I know even I as a spectator at someone like Whistler, which has some wide open roads when they cone off roads in, in various ways, like you can't tell where the bikes are coming and the traffic's yeah. coming. Like even then, I've wandered out into like a traffic lane that I thought was a bike lane because I'm like, oh, there's no bikes coming. I can go here. Oh, wait, there's a car. Well, <laughs> like, and there was a very confused little old lady trying to turn huh. left. When yeah. she was only allowed to turn right, and she ended up kind of in the bike lane, but this was way early because we got there early. And Aaron, who I was standing with, was like, "Well, she's really confused. That's not safe." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think all the other thing like I have been hit by a car when I was spectating Santa Rosa before because of all these like there's like one you know there's like too many different lanes and there's errors and it gets confusing and the cars get confused and then they and I got and I got hit by a car just like riding hit. my bike around. Yeah. Well, more accurately, Sarah, I hit a car, but <laughs> it pulled in front of me. So. Right, right, fair. But yeah, like Santa Rosa was interesting this weekend. I said in the on like Instagram, and I said in the, in the newsletter that 
I came out of Santa Rosa with some, some like thoughts on the state of North American racing and like mm-hmm. wild speculative theories. So, okay. Share. I want to hear that. Share, share our wild I, speculative theories. Yes. Okay. Good. Well, the thing I noticed at Santa Rosa and like, it's just an example, but obviously this happened at other races this year is that like, there just weren't as many girls, my speed as there used to be like two years ago, same race. There was like 10 people around me. And this year there was like three, right. And like Victoria, same thing happened only Victoria smaller. So there was no people around me. Whereas before there'd been like four and I don't know why yet I have some ideas, but what I do think is, and we can kind of go through this and like what I said in the newsletter was like, we know there are a number of things to be true. Like we know that the top people like the really good, like, like Rinny is not making as much money as she was, right? Like and she used to, and yeah. the top people are not, they don't like salaries got cut. So we know that and we, like, know we know that. from, yeah. And from the iron woman podcast, from having Meredith Kessler on, from having Heather Wartell on, we know that people, you know, that in the last, over the last couple of years, people have lost significant sponsor contracts. Right. Even at and that so, level. So if it's affecting those people, it's going to affect people further down even more. And we know that those people, like the people at the top are racing more this year. Like you can just like look at the numbers, add it up. Mm. And we can like speculate that that's probably because Kona, like the Kona qualifying changed. So now instead of racing like one or two more fulls, they can fit in like five or four or five halves. Right. And we know that they're doing that in order to cram in like slightly more prize money, slightly more sponsor bonuses, like try and keep the money. So like, we know those things to be true. So we know like the top people are racing more. We know that like some of these like random tiny races that didn't used to be competitive are now competitive. We know that like salaries are drying up. So people are trying to like make a little bit more money. We're pretty sure some of those top people are going to be done in the next year or two also. Like everyone's kind of pretty sure about that. And then, so then you add to that list of facts that we know that at this point now, I feel like I can confidently say we also know there is a tier of people around my speed, which used to be like the middle of the pack that are like not there anymore or they're less, they're just less. And my mom said in the background, fewer, apparently it should be fewer. They're fewer, not less. (laughs) And if you look at why, I love like, how you're being like, you're being English. Oh my I'm gosh. Being English she, corrected. Yes. Corrected. She must think every week that I'm, that I say terrible. Probably. Anyway, carry on. Um, and like, and like, obviously anecdotes are not evidence, but it's also not that big a field, you know, like this is, this is a total of, you know, a hundred people worldwide. And so when I can go through a list and tell you, well, I know this one decided she was bored with triathlon. This one decided, well, might as well have a kid now. Another one decided like, Oh, I'm going to focus on work. I started a new job. Another one's like, eh, I'm going to do other things now, like swim, run gravel, like triathlon, other, a few others, like moved back down to age group, got discouraged. We're like, this is just sucking. Like I'm tired of getting my ass kicked. So we know that like, there are lots of reasons, but yeah. Or it there's co- another, I don't know if you said this one, like improve or die kind of environment, right. like literally right. like go all in for a year and see if you can um, improve and get to the top level. So at least you can make a little prize money, if not getting big contracts, you know? Oh, there's a bunch of people, like there's a number of girls this year that I've seen huge jumps from in performance who went in, like went all in, right? Like they was like mm-hmm. improve or die. And I do think some people tried that and it didn't pan out and improve or die is a sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it does sometimes you die yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and i don't i mean obviously for me personally it's been just like a little shitty like just me personally like there's fewer people now but i'm also like i'm not like i don't have a theory yet on how this all relates to each other or like what's going to happen in the future Mm -hmm. like i don't know how it all ties together and maybe it's just cyclical maybe it's like 
okay, the top girls are about to retire. Some other people will move in to fill their spot and then people will upgrade and we're just like in a down cycle. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Mm. I think I actually think we're seeing in in a condensed way in North America what's going to happen around the world. And it's condensed more this year because of what we talked about in the past about how the qualifying for Kona changed. So people are now racing more 70.3s and racing them more in North America and staying closer to home. And as we know, there are more pro women in based in in the U.S. who are American and also based in the U.S. than anywhere else. So like the pro race, the pro women's race is almost like a microcosm for like what's going to happen in the pro race men's race and the pro race worldwide, I think in the future, because the prize money is like, no matter what anyone says, Iron Man's just like slowly, like decreasing it. Oh yeah. I mean, that's like quantifiable. That's not like us speculating. Yeah. The industry is not getting behind the pros as much for a variety of reasons. And so, and it's partially like that is, I still think that is led by Iron Man. Like I think Iron Man's treatment of the pros ultimately dictates how the industry follows. I think what you're seeing both from Iron and the industry is a consolidation at the top. Like Jan, Lucy, Daniela are worth more than ever. And mm-hmm. then it's like an even bigger drop off. Um, yeah. The piece that I don't really quite understand is where the long-term plan is like from well, yeah. Iron Man and from the industry. Like I'm really curious to go to the, I don't know, the new TBI that that's called endurance exchange this year. That's a partnership with USAT to find out like literally to ask people that question, like, who do you think is going to take these people's place? Because if there's no B level of pros right now, and there's no, like everything has to be robust right the way down to have enough people to step into the shoes, right? That's just math. <laughs> like, I know. I know. I do keep hoping. I mean, maybe, maybe there's like a whole nother wave of girls that's about to step up and move in and fill this like kind of void that's being created. Maybe. I think Sarah's shaking I think her head. She's like, nope, Kelly, keep hoping. <laughs> I just, I just like, uh, they're like, there are, there are women who are waiting to step up for sure. There are people there, just not as many. Right. Yeah. And so you're not going to have as robust a field at any level. Um, and it's again, I mean, we've said that it's this a million times, but it's going to get worse before it gets better. And then something will rebound. Like there's a void being created right now, um, f- in the pro field. And that also creates an opportunity Right. So someone's going to have someone's going to have some good ideas for how to step into this void and how to get the pro race back up there. And that person with that good idea will probably succeed. There is a space opening up and we'll see what happens, but it's going to take a couple of years. Yeah. Just give it a couple of years. I don't know uh, if I have a couple of years there. I got to say, I think that's probably my end date in a few years. Yeah. You are definitely more likely to be in the space of like helping other people <laughs> fill the void than yourself being the one. But you, we never know. It <laughs> we could, never be you. know. could be you, Kelly. It could be you. <laughs> Great. That's the positive attitude I need on, on, on oh, Wednesday. Okay. To be clear, let me be clear. To be clear, Kelly, you are a good enough athlete for this. <laughs> 100%. That is not the question in my, that is not the question. It's just how all the factors come together. For know? sure. So, but yes, a hundred percent, you are a good enough athlete. And that is the point, right? Like that, that is the point that we have a number of women who are good enough to be racing pro and who should be improving and who don't have the resources to make that happen. And I think that's the case with you is like, you don't necessarily have the resources you need to be, to like even go part-time with your work, let alone be. Oh yeah. I don't think I can or. do the all in or die. I mean, it's a, right. It's a question, and, but I don't think I could. So, and that's like it part of the challenge. So like I, I'm seeing this multi-layered and everything and whatever Good. I'm saying about your chances is like to do with the industry, <laughs> not to do with you. <laughs> Thanks Sarah. For clarity. <laughs> for clarity. No, don't worry. I know that Sarah believes in me more than everyone except for my watch. So 
<laughs> I agreed with your watch. What did your watch say that you could run? That I can run like a fucking Olympic trials marathon. I don't even know. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was, wasn't it like 119 for the half? Yeah. Yeah. I'm all in on that. Yeah. Okay, good. I think Kelly can good. run 119. Okay. If I can do that, Sarah, it won't even matter that I sucked the rest of the year. I'll be happy. So yeah, as my mom was saying though too, Santa Rosa was, is, I mean, Santa Rosa, I actually feel like it's a pretty safe course. I felt way safer than at Victoria, Sarah. Which I, I'm not personally responsible for. I'm personally blaming you, but it is a course where like the roads are not fully closed. They're heavily controlled for sure. And it's like only local traffic. And some of the roads that are like less safe are closed, like it's, but they're not fully closed. There are cars out there. And there's a lot of areas, especially as you're coming to town where you do that thing, you know, in races when you're like in one lane and then they're like veer and then you have to like go across and go into another coned off lane against traffic. And then they like veer you into another lane. That's like one lane into oncoming. And it's like, and you have to like really be constantly head up because you have no idea which cones refer to you. Right. Like some of those spaces look like as you come into them, it's just a sea of cones. Right. Like, and you can't really tell which is the aisle you're supposed to go in and where, like that's, that's a frequent experience of mine in races. And they always have these signs now that always have like this picture with like a car and an arrow going one (laughs) way and bike and an arrow going the other way. And by the end of the race, you're like, guys, I am not with it enough to like process that. Yes. Like in this like split second, like, yeah, a hundred percent. But the other thing was at the end of the race, I was like, wait, like, I was like, man, some girls didn't finish. Like what? Like I, there's some people missing. And I real, and then I was like, Jen Spielender didn't finish. And I, she got hit by a race moto at an aid station. Oh my God. And you're like, that's crazy. And I feel like someone else told me about somebody getting hit a race mo- by a race moto like a couple of weeks ago. Um, obviously the big one this weekend was the girl who got taken out by a truck at Ohio 70.3 and somebody message me to clarify because I had said in the newsletter she got hit head on by a truck when she went out of the cone lane but what it was was kind of what we're talking about where there's like a cone lane on the side of Mm -hmm. a really busy you know county highway like busy road and she basically swerved out of the side of those cones and got like just taken out by a truck in the lane of traffic and it sounds like maybe she just swerved because there was like stuff in the road because she was like hit something and was about to crash and like overcorrect. You know what I mean? Like it's not like she like just rode or it was too crowded. Like it does not sound like she just decided to randomly go outside the cones, you know? Yeah. That's where it's like it's you can't. That's where I think the overcrowding piece comes in. Right. Right. If you have, how many people would have been racing in Ohio? Like 2000 at least. Yeah. Something like Is that. that I think, a yeah. Reasonable guess. Um, so you have that at, in like a coned area. That's probably less wide than a lane and people come out of the water. Like no matter what you say, people still come out of the water within the same in a half, like mostly within the same 45 minutes. Right. right they're right, all right. over there. Like we know what the overcrowding issue is, right? It's not just about drafting. It is also about safety. Like it's the same thing in Ironmans where you're on a big highway, you know, with like tons of people, people want to focus on the drafting, but actually like, I hate being in a situation where if something happens, like if people crash right in front of me, I would have to choose between piling onto the crash and going out into the traffic lane. And you're not necessarily making the most safe, like choice in that moment, like in a split second of someone crash in front of you, you might swerve into a lane. Right. Because you're not seeing in front of you. It's not like you're choosing between hitting, being hit by a car. You're not thinking that, right. You're thinking, get out of the way. And in thinking, get out of the way, you could get swiped from behind. So it's so easy to see in so many races, how that could happen. This is what I was thinking about this week. Because obviously like, I don't know for sure if races are getting less safe or not. I don't know if this is just like our perception. Like it just seems like it's been a lot lately. I don't know. Or if it's just like, there's more people that may also be the case. Like there's literally more people. So it's like a higher percentage. 
it does seem like I do remember there used to be more like buffers kind of like there would be a lane for bikes, a buffer lane, and then a lane of for cars. Or like there'd be more of an assumption that that traffic, like you do get tired. Like I accidentally swung into the oncoming lane traffic lane this weekend when I like wasn't paying attention in a turn, which right. Like, and so if you build into your safety plan, like triathletes, maybe, maybe don't always make like the best choice at that moment in the race. You have to kind of like build that into your plan. You can't just like assume that, Oh, it'll always be like, they'll always do the best, smartest thing here. Yeah. And races are often the other thing that's coming to mind. And I'm going to like wildly speculate based on a sample size of one here in Victoria, (laughs) an observation, but you know, that race, the 70.3 in Victoria has been here as a half Ironman for 25 years. Right. Right. And 25 years ago when they started that race, there was probably half the amount of traffic out on the roads. Right. 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 As there is now. And then you add to that the fact that they like Ironman changed the loop right into a more traffic area. And it you I, I just wonder if it's not just things about the race that's changing, but actually because the races are taking place in more condensed urban areas. Yeah. I think that's also I feel like that's also happening yeah. for sure when you talk about like. Yeah, there's a number of races where that's been the case where like they've been around for a really long time, but there's just more people now like driving than there used to be like that used to be an empty road. And now it's like has a subdivision, right? Like that's just true. One thing I was thinking about whenever we talk about safety is that like you have to pay for safety, right? Like if you want roads to be fully closed, like fees are going to go up, right? If you want there to be more police, like fees are going to go up. And so then the question becomes like, there's a reason that like small local events are always like a little slightly less safe than I, right? Like you always know that like the roads aren't fully closed and like there's and like there aren't as many people out. And so if we like are like, okay, well, everything needs to be totally closed. Are we going to like price out local events? And a lot of these local events, like, like the one where my husband got hit by a dog last week that the roads weren't closed and it was like kind of, you know, small. I mean, it was fine for a small local event, but it used to be bigger. And I think they used to have more money and used to like have more cops out and they just like can't afford it anymore. Right. So I'm wondering about that too. So what's the solution? Virtual events. Virtual events. We're gonna like virtual events. Race on Zwift triathlon. I was just like riding my bike a couple weeks ago up in Sonoma, and there was like randomly, it was like, oh, there's a race going on, and it was one of those super tiny, like they didn't close any of the road. Like obviously, it was just like this tiny little race, and there was just like a hand. Like only reason I knew was because like somebody yelled at me to like turn left, and I was like, what the fuck? Like why do you care where where I ride my my ride? And it definitely, I wonder if those people didn't come out of that with like a bad experience about triathlon because there were like, it was really busy. There was a lot of cars. There was people like honking and yelling at me. You know what I mean? You're like, eh, that's like not great. Yeah. I had, I had a similar yeah. one where people were in a local kind of tour, you know, like those bike Fondo thing. Yeah. Fondo type event. Yeah. And then, and suddenly I was just walking the dog on my road with like no indication of a fond oak about to come down the road and then suddenly this like black truck with photographers in the back like comes pulls in really quickly like right in front of me and the dog (laughs) like almost in a way that was a little like what what's going on and then i see these cyclists coming through like ah and i have to jump off the road right and 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 as much as i'm like supportive of sport and i know all about cycling events and everything i was a bit like oh so it's definitely that thing where people do behave like slightly differently whether they're doing media for the event or whether they're, whether you're in an event or whatever, like the thing that you're doing is the most important thing. Um, and that's, you can't, I don't think you can change that. No, no. Mm -hmm. So 
Anyway, we okay. have no solutions. Sorry, guys. I know. I know people come to us for solutions to right. everything. We're like solution-based right. podcast. Yeah, we're solution-based um, podcast. <laughs> so speaking of solution bases, Iron Man's not EPO but IPO problem. Kelly, can you just tell us briefly? Iron Man's IPO hasn't been doing that well. Tell us. Well, about it didn't that. yet. So to be clear, it was the Wanda Sports Group, which is you know Wanda the Chinese conglomerate owns Iron Man. They have a sports group. The sports group owns Iron Man, a number of like license, like soccer football, sorry, licensing like fees in Europe. They own like the cycling, the legendaire sports that has like all those cycling events. Anyway, they own a number of things is my point. And so Wanda sports group is what was going to go public, launched its IPO earlier this week. And they had wanted to sell enough shares to raise $500 million, right? They had to cut the IPO offering drastically because demand wasn't there. They only raised 190 million and shares they had originally said were going to be like 12 to $15. They opened at like six, anyway, dropped to $5. So that's Yikes. like pretty bad. It was apparently the second worst IPO debut this year, like on the NASDAQ. Wow. Which is pretty so bad. Pretty that's bad. bad. So what, what does that mean for Iron Man? What does that mean? It's unclear. So it seems like a lot of, it doesn't seem like this is a, 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 a referendum on Iron Man's business. It seems like, honestly, people were nervous about uh, the Chinese stocks because Wanda's had a lot of fights with like Chinese regulators. And there's still like a lot of uncertainty around like how they're like their China business, which underlies like a lot of their business. You know what I mean? Like they could easily end up having like other issues. Um, it also seems like the other half of the Wanda sports group is tied to FIFA. And set black, you know what I mean? There's like mm -hmm. not like there's obviously concerns around that. Basically, there's a lot of concerns that I don't think have anything to do with like Iron Man's fundamental like right. business. So it's not like saying like, oh, Iron Man's a bad business. What happens from here is a question because they obviously didn't raise as much money as they wanted to, which they were going to use to pay down debt and do like more investments, like capital investments. So that's like not gonna happen to a degree, right? Like that's just mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. The other half of it, so I don't know what, like, I don't know if we're going to see that in our next race, like, oh, there's less, in, but like down the road, like they're just not going to be able to pay off. They didn't raise the money. In the long run, there's definitely speculation that given that this values the company at far less than what they believed it was worth. Right. If it doesn't make sense to then spin off at some point in the future, Iron Man and try and take Iron Man private again, because you could still probably get like like cut your losses, get okay money for the Iron Man, like the WTC business that owns like rock and roll and all that shit. And if honestly, I think like if I, if Iron Man rock and roll, whatever got bought by some benevolent billionaire triathlete and went private again, like it'd probably be like, that's probably better in the long run. Right. Absolutely. Like probably. Yeah. So, so this is maybe the solution we're hoping for. Yeah. I do feel like in the short, like in the short term, meaning like two to five years, I think like, there's still, like, like we may see like uh, we may or may not see not cuts, but, you know, trying to get as much profit out of the company as they can, which may mean like more events so that they can get more revenue and like more like cutting down on costs. On the other hand, guys, if you want to own Iron Man, I think it's probably a little undervalued right now. So right. get in there and buy it <laughs> I was up. I going to say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So we're going to take a little break. And after that, we're going to talk about whether exercise makes you happier. And for how long? How much exercise? Like exercising all day? We'll find out. We would like to thank Noon Hydration for supporting the podcast. 
get 30% off your order by using the code IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. That's IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. And don't forget to order your feisty gear at LiveFeisty.com with the code RIDING to get a 20% discount. Follow at If We Were Riding on all the social medias and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, tell your actual friends in person how awesome we are, because that works too. If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our marvelous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the titty to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. All right, Sarah, did you read this study from the World Economic Forum on correlating money and exercise with happiness? I did. And you know why? Because you linked it in the newsletter. And I always know that all your links are amazing. So (laughs) all of them. Yes. Especially the ones to my new blogs. Especially the link to Sarah's blog post. Which we haven't mentioned yet. My new column. We're not calling it a blog. Well, it's because you already column. told this story about your box. I know. And if I people didn't... want to read more about your box and the future tales in your box, then they can go on the Live Feisty website. They can. Livefeisty.com. Anyway, moving along. Does exercise make <laughs> you happier? The article right. said. So these like researchers basically tracked people over like a while, like a year, on like how, you know, their mental health. Uh-huh. And then also tracked like how much money they made and like how much they exercised. And it turned out that people who exercised tended to feel bad 18 days less per year than people who didn't exercise. And the That's best part lot. though is obviously the people who exercise, like people who make more money are generally happier, but exercising basically counted for like $25,000 worth. Like they were as happy as people who made $25,000 more than them, but didn't exercise. Wow. So Okay. Okay. That's good. Those are good stats. Good reasons to exercise. Those are good stats. And then as I recall, there was kind of a limit, right? So a good, <laughs> so, like, you know, an hour, two, three of exercise. But after that, there was sort of diminishing returns on the happiness quotient. Right. So three to five training sessions a week of three to 60 minutes, 30 to 60 minutes is ideal. But yeah, so mental health of those participants who exercise for longer than three hours a day suffered more than those who were not physically active. <laughs> So Kelly, basically the take home point is that you suffer. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I think Sarah, it probably comes back around after like six hours. You think so? You think like yeah. six hours a day <laughs> is the real optimum? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because that's what you need to tell yourself. <laughs> right. It'll be great. So you're happiest at 30 to 60 minutes. And then after three hours, it decreases. But then I think it comes back. I I also wondered when I read that, I wondered if there weren't other factors involved. So like if you're not a pro athlete and you're and you're exercising over three hours a day, you may be like you may have some kind of over exercising, like compulsive thing. Like there may be other mental health factors that then start to come into play. Um, Possible that, that that just kind of crossed my mind. Like who exercises more than three hours a day? That's not. You know, even an, even an age group triathlete, like at three hours a day, you're at 21 hours a week. Like that's a really good well, amount of time to train for an Ironman for an age group. Triathlete. I don't think this is like every day. I think it's like when you do longer than three hours. Oh, you know what I'm saying? On that specific day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Then you're like totally tired. <laughs> <laughs> I anyway. agree. <laughs> I agree. Those six hour rides are the shits. <laughs> 
I'm doing one this weekend, so it'll oh. be super fun, and I'll be so happy. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Tell me to stop my town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.